Chapter 5 of The Martyrs of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster. Life of Galileo. Chapter 5. Urban 8. Galileo's friend raised to pontificate. Galileo goes to Rome to offer his congratulations. The Pope loads Galileo with presents and promises a pension to his son. Galileo in pecuniary difficulties owing to the death of his patron Cosmo. Galileo again rashly attacks the church, notwithstanding the Pope's kindness. He composes a system of the world to demonstrate the Copernican system. Artfully obtains a license to print it nature of the work its influence on the public mind the pope resolves on suppressing it galileo summoned before the inquisition his trial his defence his formal abjuration of his opinions observations on his conduct the pope shows great indulgence to galileo who is allowed to return to his own house at archetry as the place of his confinement the succession of the cardinal Maffo Barberini to the papal throne under the name of Urban VIII was hailed by Galileo and his friends as an event favourable to the promotion of science. Urban had not only been the personal friend of Galileo and of Princessi, the founder of Lincean Academy, but had been intimately connected with the able and liberal association, and it was therefore deemed prudent to secure his favour and attachment. If Paul III had nearly a century before patronized copernicus and accepted of the dedication of his great work it was not unreasonable to expect that in more enlightened times another pontiff might exhibit the same liberality to science the plan of securing to galileo the patronage of urban eighth seems to have been devised by prince Sissi. although galileo had not been able for some years to travel excepting in a litter yet he was urged by the prince to perform a journey to rome for the express purpose of congratulating his friend upon his elevation to the papal chair this request was made on october sixteen twenty three and though galileo's health was not such as to authorize him to undergo so much fatigue yet he felt the importance of the advice and after visiting sissi at aquasparta he arrived at rome in spring of sixteen twenty four the reception which he here experienced far exceeded his most sanguine expectations during the two months he spent in the capital he was permitted to have no fewer than six long and gratifying audiences of the pope the kindness of his holiness was of the most marked description he not only loaded galileo with presents and promised him a pension for his son vincenzo but he wrote a letter to ferdinand who had just succeeded cosmo as grand duke of tuscany recommending galileo to his particular patronage for we find in him says he not only literary distinction but the love of piety and he is so strong in those qualities of which pontifical goodwill is easily obtained and now when he has been brought to the city to congratulate us on our elevation we have very lovingly embraced him nor can we suffer him to return to the country whether your liberality recalls him without an ample provision of pontifical love 
and that you may know how dear he is to us we are well to give him honourable testimonial of our virtue and piety and we further signify that every benefit which you shall confer upon him imitating or even surpassing your father's liberality will conduce to our gratification not content with thus securing the friendship of the pope galileo endeavoured to bespeak the goodwill of the cardinals towards the copernican system he had accordingly many interviews with several of these dignitaries and he was assured by the cardinal hohenzoller that in a representation which he had made to the pope on the subject of copernicus he stated to his holiness that all the heretics considered that the system was undoubted it would be necessary to be very circumspect in coming to any resolution on the subject to this remark his holiness replied that the church had not condemned the system and that it should not be condemned as heretical but only as rash and he added that there was no fear of any person undertaking to prove that it must necessarily be true the recent appointment of abbe castelli the friend and pupil of galileo to be the mathematician to the pope was an event of most gratifying nature and when we recollect that it was to castelli that he addressed the famous letter which was pronounced heretical by the inquisition we must regard it also as an event indicative of a new and favourable feeling towards the friends of science the opinions of urban indeed had suffered no change he was one of the few cardinals who had opposed to the inquisitorial degree of sixteen sixteen and subsequent demeanour was in every respect comfortable to the liberality of his early views the sincerity of his conduct was still further evinced by grant of a pension of one hundred crowns to galileo a few years after his visit to rome though there is reason to think that this allowance was not regularly paid the death of cosmo whose liberality had given him both affluence and leisure threatened galileo with pecuniary difficulties he had been involved in a great load of debt owing to the circumstances of his brother's family and in order to relieve himself he had requested castelli to dispose of the pension of his son vincenzo in addition to this calamity he was now alarmed with the prospect of losing his salary as an extraordinary professor at pisa the great youth of ferdinand who was scarcely of age induced galileo's enemies in sixteen twenty nine to raise doubts respecting the payment of his salary to a professor who neither resided nor lectured in the university but the question was decided in his favour and we have no doubt that the decision was facilitated by the friendly recommendation of the pope to which we have already referred although galileo had made a narrow escape from the grasp of the inquisition yet he was never sufficiently sensible to the lenity which he experienced when he left rome in sixteen sixteen under the solemn pledge of never again teaching the obnoxious doctrine it was with hostility against the church suppressed by deeply cherished and his resolution to propagate the heresy seems to have been coeval with the woe by which he renounced it in the year sixteen eighteen when he communicated his theory of the tides to archduke leopold he alludes in the most sarcastic manner to the conduct of the church the same hostile tone more or less pervaded all his writings and while he laboured to sharpen the edge of his satire he endeavoured to guard himself against its effects by an affectation of the humblest deference to the decisions of theology had galileo stood alone his devotion to science might have withdrawn from so hopeless a contest 
but he was spurred on by the violence of a party the lynchian academy never scrupled to summon him from his researches they placed him in the forlorn hope of their combat and he at last fell a victim to the rashness of his friends but whatever allowance we may make for the ardour of galileo's temper and the peculiarity of his position and however we may justify and even approve of his past conduct his visit to urban aid in sixteen twenty four placed him in a new relation to the church which demanded on his part a new and corresponding demeanour the noble and generous reception which he met with from urban and the liberal declaration of the cardinal hohenstoller on the subject of copernican system should have been regarded as expressions of regret for the past and offers of consolation for the future thus honoured by the head of the church and befriended by its dignitaries galileo must have felt himself secure against the indignities of its lesser functionaries and possession of the fullest license to prosecute his researches and publish his discoveries provided he avoided the dogma of the church which even in the present day it has not ventured to renounce but galileo was bound to the romish hierarchy by even stronger ties his son and himself were pensioners of the church and having accepted of its arms they owed to it a decent and respectful allegiance the pension thus given by the urban was not a remuneration with sovereigns sometimes awarded to the services of their subjects galileo was a foreigner at rome the sovereign of the papal strait owed him no obligation and hence he must regard the pension of galileo as a donation from the roman pontiff to science itself and as a declaration to the christian world that the religion was not jealous of philosophy and that the church of rome was willing to respect and foster even the genius of its enemies galileo viewed all these circumstances in a different light he resolved to compose a work in which the copernican system should be demonstrated but he had not the courage to do this in a direct and open manner he adopted a plan of discussing the subject in a dialogue between three speakers in the hope of eluding by his artifice the censure of the church this work was completed in sixteen thirty but owing to some difficulties in obtaining a license to print it it was not published till sixteen thirty two in obtaining the license galileo exhibited considerable address and his memory has not escaped from the imputation of having acted unfairly and of having involved his personal friends in the consequence of his imprudence the situation of master of the palace was unfortunately for galileo's designs filled with niccolo riccati a friend and pupil of his own the officer was a sort of censor of a new publications and when he was applied to a subject of printing his work galileo soon found out that attempts had previously been made to thwart his views he instinctively set off for rome and had an interview with his friend who was in every respect anxious to oblige him riccati examined the manuscript pointed out some incautious expressions which he considered it necessary to erase and returned it with the written approbation on the understanding that alterations he suggested would be made dreading to remain in rome during the unhealthy season which was fast approaching galileo returned to florence with the intention of completing the index and dedication and of sending the manuscripts to rome to be printed under the care of princessi the death of that distinguished individual in the august sixteen thirty frustrated galileo's plan and he applied for leave to have the book printed in florence 
Riccardi at first desired us to examine the manuscript again, but, after inspecting only the beginning and the end of it, he gave Galileo leave to print it wherever he chose, providing it bore the license of the Inquisitor-General of Florence and one or two other persons whom he named. Having overcome all these difficulties, Galileo's work was published in 1632 under the title of the system of the world of Galileo Galilei, etc., in which, in four dialogues concerning the two principal systems of the world, the Ptolemaic and the Copernican, he discusses indeterminately and firmly the arguments proposed on both sides. It is dedicated to Ferdinand, Grand Duke of Tuscany, and is prefaced by an address to the prudent reader, which is itself characterized by the utmost imprudence. He refers to the decree of the Inquisition in the most insulting and ironical language. He attributes it to passion and to ignorance, not by direct assertion, but by insinuations ascribed to others, and he announces his intention to defend the Copernican system as a pure mathematical hypothesis and not as an opinion having an advantage over that of the stability of the earth absolutely. The dialogue is conducted by three persons, Salviati, sagredo and simplicio salviati who is the true philosopher in the dialogue has the real name of a nobleman whom we have already had the occasion to mention sagredo the name of another noble friend of galileo's performs a secondary part under salviati he proposes doubts such as difficulties and enlivens the gravity of the dialogue with his wit and pleasantry simplicio is a resolute follower of ptolemy and aristotle and with the proper decree of candour and modesty he brings forward all the common arguments in favour of the ptolemaic system between the wit of sagredo and the powerful philosophy of salviati the peripatetic sage is baffled in every discussion and there can be no doubt that galileo aimed a more fatal blow at the ptolemaic system by this mode of discussing it than if he had endeavoured to overturn it by direct arguments the influence of this work on the public mind was such as might have been anticipated the obnoxious doctrines which it upheld were eagerly received and widely disseminated and the church of rome became sensible of the shock which has thus given to the intellectual supremacy pope urban VIII, attached though he had been to galileo never once hesitated respecting the line of conduct which he felt himself bound to pursue his mind was nevertheless agitated with conflicting sentiments he entertained a sincere affection for science and literature and yet he was placed in the position of their enemy he had been the personal friend of galileo and yet his duty compelled him to become his accuser embarrassing as these feelings were other considerations contributed to soothe him he had in his capacity of a cardinal opposed to the first persecution of galileo he had since his elevation to the pontificate traced an open path for the march of galileo's discoveries and he had finally endeavoured to bind the recusant philosopher by the chains of kindness and gratitude all these means however had proved abortive and he was now called upon the support of doctrine which he had subscribed and administer the law of which he was the guardian it has been supposed without any satisfactory evidence that urban may have been influenced by less creditable motives salviati and sagredo being well-known personages it was inferred that simplicio 
must have a representative the enemies of galileo are said to have convinced his holiness that simplicio was intended as a portraiture of himself and this opinion received some probability from the fact that the peripatetic disputant had employed many of the arguments which urban had himself used in his discussions with galileo the latest biographer of galileo regards this motive as a necessary to account for the otherwise inexplicable change which took place in the conduct of urban to his old friend but we cannot admit the truth of this supposition the church had been placed in hostility to a powerful and liberal party which was adverse to its interests the dogmas of the catholic faith had been brought into direct collision with the deductions of science the leader of philosophic band had broken the most solemn armistice with the inquisition he had renounced the ties of gratitude which bound himself to the pontiff and urban was thus compelled to entrench himself in a position to which he had been driven by his opponents the design of summoning galileo before the inquisition seems to have been formed almost immediately after the publication of his book for even in the august sixteen thirty two the preliminary proceedings had reached the ears of the grand duke ferdinand the tuscan ambassador at rome was speedily acquainted with the dissatisfaction which his sovereign felt at these proceedings and he was instructed to forward to florence a written statement of the charges against galileo in order to enable him to prepare for his defence although this request was denied ferdinand again interposed and transmitted a letter to his ambassador recommending the admission of campanella and castelli into the congregation of the ecclesiastics by whom galileo was to be judged circumstances however rendered it prudent to withhold this letter castelli was sent away from rome and scipio ciromonte a bigoted ecclesiastic was summoned from pisa to complete the number of judges it appears from a despatch of the tuscan minister that ferdinand was enraged at the transaction and he instructed his ambassador nicolini to make the strongest representations to the pope nicolini had several interviews with his holiness but all those expostulations were fruitless he found urban highly incensed against galileo and his holiness begged nicolini to advise the archduke not to interfere any further as he would not get through it with the honour on the fifteenth of september the pope caused it to be intimated to nicolini as a mark of a special esteem for the grand duke that he was obliged to refer the work to the inquisition but both the prince and his ambassador were declared liable to the usual censures if they divulged the secret from the measures which the tribunal had formerly pursued it was not difficult to foresee the result of their present deliberations they summoned galileo to appear before them at rome to answer in person the charges under which he lay the tuscan ambassador expostulated warmly with the court of rome on the inhumanity of his proceedings he urged his advanced age his infirm health the discomforts of the journey and the miseries of the quarantine as the motives for reconsidering their decision but the pope was inexorable and though it was agreed to relax the quarantine as much as possible in his favour yet it was declared indispensable that he should appear in person before the inquisition worn out with age and infirmities and exhausted with fatigues of his journey galileo arrived at rome on the fourteenth of february sixteen thirty three the tuscan ambassador announced his arrival in official form to the commissary of the holy office 
and galileo awaited in calm dignity the approach of his trial among those who proffered their advice in this distressing emergency we must enumerate the cardinal barberino the pope's nephew who though he may have felt the necessity of an interference on the part of the church was yet desirous that it should be effected with the least injury to galileo and to science he accordingly visited galileo and advised him to remain as much at home as possible to keep aloof from the general society and to see only his most intimate friends the same advice was given from four different quarters and galileo feeling its propriety remained in strict seclusion in the palace of the tuscan ambassador during the whole trial which had now commenced galileo was treated with most marked indulgence abhorring as we must do the principles and practices of this odious tribunal and reprobating its interference with the cautious deductions of science we must yet admit that on this occasion its deliberations were not dictated by passion nor its power directed by vengeance though placed at their judgment seat as a heretic galileo stood there with the recognized attributes of a sage and though an offender against laws of which they were the guardian yet the highest respect was yielded to his genius and the kindest commiseration to his infirmities in the beginning of april when his examination in person was to commence it became necessary that he should be removed to the holy office but instead of committing him as was the practice to solitary confinement he was provided with apartments in the house of the fiscal of the inquisition his table was provided by the tuscan ambassador and a servant was allowed to attend him at his pleasure and to sleep in an adjoining apartment even this nominal confinement however galileo's high spirit was unable to brook an attack of the disease to which he was constitutionally subject contributed to fret and irritate him and he became impatient for a release from his anxiety as well as from his bondage cardinal barberino seems to have received notice of the state of galileo's feelings and with magnanimity which posterity will ever honour he liberated the philosopher on his own responsibility and in ten days after his first examination and on the last day of april he was restored to the hospitable roof of the tuscan ambassador though this favour was granted on the condition of his remaining in strict seclusion galileo recovered his health and to a certain degree his usual hilarity amid the kind of intentions of nicolini and his family and when the want of exercise had begun to produce symptoms of indisposition the tuscan minister obtained for him leave to go into public gardens in a half-closed carriage after the inquisition had examined galileo personally they allowed him a reasonable time for preparing his defence he felt the difficulty of adducing anything like a plausible justification of his conduct and he resorted to an ingenious though a shallow artifice which was regarded by the court as an aggravation of the crime after his first appearance before the inquisition in sixteen sixteen he was publicly and falsely charged by his enemies with having then abjured his opinions and he was taunted as a criminal who had been actually punished for his offences as a refutation to these calumnies cardinal bellarmine had given him a certificate in his own handwriting declaring that he neither abjured his opinions nor suffered punishment for them and that the doctrine of the earth's motion and the sun's stability was only denounced to him as contrary to scripture 
and as one which could not be defended to this certificate the cardinal did not add because he was not called upon to do it that galileo was enjoined not to teach in any manner the doctrine thus denounced and galileo ingeniously avails himself of this supposed omission to account for his having in the lapse of fourteen or sixteen years forgotten the injunction he assigned the same excuse for his having omitted mention this injunction to ricardi and to the inquisitor-general at florence when he obtained the license to print his dialogues the court held the production of the certificate to be at once as a proof and aggravation of his offence because the certificate itself declared that obnoxious doctrines had been pronounced contrary to the holy scriptures having duly waived the confessions and excuses of their prisoner and considered general merits for the case the inquisition came to an agreement upon the sentence which they were to pronounce and appointed the twenty-second of june as the day on which it was to be delivered two days previous to this galileo was summoned to appear at the holy office and on the morning of the twenty-first he obeyed the summons on the twenty-second of june he was clothed in penitential dress and conducted to the convent of minerva where the inquisition was assembled to give judgment a long and elaborate sentence was pronounced detailing the former proceedings of the inquisition and specifying the offences which he had committed in teaching heretical doctrines in violating his former pledges and in obtaining by improper means the license for printing of his dialogues after an invocation of the name of our saviour and of the holy virgin galileo was declared to have brought himself under strong suspicions of heresy and to have incurred all the censures and penalties which were enjoined against delinquents of this kind but from all these consequences he is to be held absolved provided that with a sincere heart and with a faithful unfeigned he abjures and curses the heresies he has cherished as well as every other heresy against the catholic church in order that his offence might not go altogether unpunished that he might be more cautious in future and be a warning to others to abstain from similar delinquencies it was also decreed that his dialogues should be prohibited by public edict that he himself should be condemned to prison of the inquisition during their pleasure and that in the course of the next three years he should recite once a week the seven penitential psalms the ceremony of galileo's abjuration was one of exciting interest and of awful formality clothed in the sackcloth of a repentant criminal the venerable sage fell upon his knees before the assembled cardinals and laying his hands upon the holy evangelists he invoked the divine aid in abjuring and detesting and owing never to again teach the doctrines of the earth's motion and of the sun's stability he pledged himself that he would never again either in words or in writing propagate such heresies and he swore that he would fulfil and observe the penances which had been inflicted upon him at the conclusion of this ceremony in which he recited his abjuration word for word and then signed it he was conveyed in conformity with his sentence to the prison of the inquisition the account which we have now given of the trial and the sentence of galileo is pregnant with the deepest interest and intrusion human nature is here drawn in its darkest colouring and in surveying the melancholy picture it is difficult to decide whether religion or philosophy has been most degraded while we witness the presumptuous priest 
pronouncing infallible the decrees of his own erring judgment we see the high-minded philosopher abjuring the eternal and immutable truths which he had himself the glory of establishing in the ignorance and prejudices of the age in a too literal interpretation of the language of scripture in a mistaken respect of the errors that he had become venerable from their antiquity and in the peculiar position which galileo had taken among the avowed enemies of the church we may find the elements of an apology poor though it be for the conduct of the inquisition but what excuse can we devise for the humiliating confession and abjuration of galileo why did this master spirit of age the high priest of the stars the representative of the science this hoary sage whose career of glory was near its consummation why did he reject the crown of the martyrdom which he had himself coveted and which plated with immortal laurels was about to descend upon his head if in place of disavowing the laws of nature and surrendering in his own person the intellectual dignity of his species he had boldly asserted the truth of his opinions and confided his character to posterity and his cause to an all-ruling providence he would have strung up the hair suspended sab and disarmed for ever the hostility which threatened to overwhelm him the philosopher however was supported only by philosophy and in the love of truth he found a miserable substitute for the hopes of the martyr galileo covered under the fear of a man and his submission was the salvation of the church the sword of inquisition descended on his prostrate neck and though its stroke was not physical yet it fell with moral influence fatal to the character of its victim and to the dignity of science in studying with attention this portion of scientific history the reader will not fail to perceive that the church of rome was driven into dilemma from which the submission and abjuration of galileo could alone extricate it he who confesses the crime and denounces its atrocity not only sanctions but inflicts the punishment which is annexed to it but galileo declared his innocence and avowed his sentiments and had he appealed to the past conduct of the church itself to the acknowledged opinions of its dignitaries and even to the acts of its pontiffs he would have at once confounded his accusers and escaped from their toils after copernicus himself a catholic priest had openly maintained the motion of the earth and the stability of the sun after he had dedicated the work which advocated these opinions to the pope paul iii on the express ground that the authority of the pontiff might silence the calumnies of those who attacked these opinions by arguments drawn from the scripture after the cardinal of schoenberg and the bishop of culm had urged copernicus to publish the new doctrines and after the bishop of ermeland had erected a monument to commemorate his great discoveries how could the church of rome have appealed to its pontifical decrees as the ground of persecuting and punishing galileo even in later times the same doctrines have been propagated with entire toleration nay in the very year of galileo's first persecution paul anthony foscarinus a learned carmelite monk wrote a pamphlet in which he illustrates and defends the mobility of the earth and endeavours to reconcile this new doctrine the passage of the scripture which he had employed to subvert it this very singular production was dated from the caramelite convent at naples was dedicated to the very reverend sebastian pantoni general of the caramelite order 
and sanctioned by the ecclesiastical authorities it was published at naples in sixteen fifteen the very year of the first persecution of galileo nor was this the only defence of the copernican system which issued from the bosom of the church thomas campanella a calabrian monk published in sixteen twenty two an apology for galileo and he even dedicates it to d boniface cardinal of cacheta nay it appears from the dedication that he undertook the work at the command of the cardinal and that the examination of the question had been entrusted to the cardinal by the holy senate after an able defence of his friend campanella refers at the conclusion of his apology to the suppression of galileo's writings and justly observes that the effect of such a measure would be to make him more generally read and more highly esteemed the boldness of the apologist however is wisely tempered by the humility of the ecclesiastic and he concludes his work with declaration that in all his opinions whether written or to be written he submits himself to the opinions of the holy mother church of rome and to the judgment of his superiors by these proceedings of the dignitaries as well as the clergy of the church of rome which had been tolerated for more than a century the decrees of the pontiffs against the doctrine of the earth's motion were virtually appealed and galileo might have pleaded them with the success in arrest of judgment unfortunately however for himself and for the science he acted otherwise by admitting their authority he revived in fresh force these obsolete and obnoxious enactments and by yielding to their power he riveted for another century the almost broken chains of spiritual despotism it is a curious fact that in the annals of heresy and sedition that opinions maintained with impunity by one individual have in the same age brought others to the stake or to the scaffold the result of deep research or extravagant speculation seldom provoke hostility when meekly announced as the deductions of reason or the convictions of conscience as the dreams of a recluse or of an enthusiast they may excite pity or call forth contempt but like seed quietly cast into the earth they will rot and germinate according to the vitality with which they are endowed but if new and startling opinions are thrown in the face of the community if they are uttered in triumph or in insult in contempt of public opinion or in derision of cherished errors they lose the comeliness of their truth in the rancour of their propagation and they are like seeds scattered in the hurricane which only irritates and blinds the husbandman at galileo concluded his system of the world with a quiet peroration of his apologist campanella and dedicated it to the pope it might have stood in the library of the vatican beside the cherished though equally heretical volume of copernicus in the abjuration of his opinions by galileo pope urban seven did not fail to observe the full extent of his triumph and he exhibited the utmost sagacity in the means which he employed to secure it while he endeavoured to overawe the enemies of the church by the formal promulgation of galileo's sentence and abjuration and by punishing the officials who had assisted in obtaining the license to print his book he treated galileo with utmost lenity and yielded to every request that was made to diminish and almost suspend the constraint under which he lay the sentence of abjuration was ordered to be publicly read at several universities 
at florence the ceremonial was performed in the church of santa cross and the friends and disciples of galileo were especially summoned to witness the public degradation of their master the inquisitor at florence was ordered to be reprimanded for his conduct and ricardi the master of the sacred palace and Ciampali, the secretary of pope urban himself were dismissed from their situations galileo had remained only four days in the prison of the inquisition when on the application of nicolini the tuscan ambassador he was allowed to reside with him in his palace as florence still suffered under the contagious disease which we have already mentioned it was proposed that siena would be the place of galileo's confinement and that his residence should be in one of the convents of that city nicolini however recommended the palace of the archbishop piccolomoni as a more suitable residence and though the archbishop was one of galileo's best friends the pope agreed the arrangement and in the beginning of july galileo quitted rome for siena after having spent nearly six months under the hospitable roof of his friend and with no other restraint than that of being confined to the limits of the palace galileo was permitted to return to his villa near florence under the same restrictions and as the contagious disease had disappeared in tuscany he was able in the month of december to re-enter his own house at archery where he spent the remainder of his days end of chapter five read by lambda